COVID. Not only has it taken away life, but it is now destroying life at home in ways that were not completely understood when the pandemic first started. My wife, Michelle, she sent me this article one day over Facebook Messenger, and I knew immediately that the topic needed to be addressed, and then I had to bring back one of Healthcare 360 staples, Jason Eric Ross, so Jason could explain to the best and brightest what's really going on at the divorce rates skyrocket amid COVID. The article released by Elizabeth Rosner from the New York Post first highlights that the number of couples looking to divorce was way up, up by as much as 34% when compared to a year ago in 2019. Today's takeaway will give insight and tools regarding COVID's effect on marriages, mental health, and where couples typically are failing, and all from the point and the viewpoint of a practicing psychotherapist. Jason and I get together in studio to talk about quarantine, parenting, virtual school, and Jason's litmus test for divorce. Ever hear of the Disney dad or the five spheres of wellness? Would you rather be right or effective? Dealing with your own emotional constipation? How about your ego? There were so many takeaways as Jason and I break down the specifics and recreate what's happening at home as well as we can deliver it. Oh, and before I forget... Be sure not to miss next week's conversation, episode number 54, with HVMN CEO Jeffrey Wu, who is featured on the Netflix series Unwell as we deep dive in the world of ketosis and discuss why your diet and lifestyle are failing and the truth around fasting. We're glad you're here, only on Healthcare 360. After the little technological fiasco we just had, <laughs> you walked in, you said your day was one of those. It's one of those days. We, of those we, days. we have them. As therapists, we have sometimes just one of those days. Yep. So it's just sort of a compounding of a lot of different things. Right. And uh, some of it, like I said, will get dealt with tomorrow. Uh, On Facebook Live, you said, right? Might do Facebook Live. I'm going to record something, certainly for posterity's sake, to deal with some real serious mental health and physical issues with somebody that I know. guy I actually played basketball with yeah. uh, 33 years ago. Something that people can learn from in this episode? Possibly. I'm willing to talk about part of it, sure. Yeah. Yeah. What about yeah. given, oh, of course, with yeah. HIPAA and everything else you have to worry about? This is personal more than professional. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's certainly, uh, it'll tie in because it's, you know, it's it's about life and mental health and we're, people are dealing with a lot of crap right now, let's face it. Oh, yeah. All right, man. So, we're going to jump into it. Thank you again for tuning in, Healthcare 360. We have our staple favorite for counseling and therapy, Jason Eric Ross. You can find him at jasonericross.com. You can find him all over LinkedIn. Dude, you've been busy. Decently. More than decently yeah. in my eyes. Uh, you've been on the news. You've been published. Uh, you've been all over social. I've been seeing that. I really appreciate you coming over and taking the time. My pleasure. And Honor and a pleasure. Truly. Thank you. I'm going to jump into this topic. Go this is it. affecting a lot of people. Uh, I'm going to pull up something in a moment that my wife, Michelle, forwarded to me, which kind of prompted the whole discussion. What's going on at home during COVID? And I know COVID's been beat to hell, but I believe that most people believe at this point that it's a political ploy outside of something that did exist. There is a virus, okay, but it's been politicized up and down. What's happening in the households and school systems and society right now is unprecedented. Yes. Period. You've seen the news. You've seen both sides of the news. The reality is, there were issues when it came to parenting and mental health before this yeah. happened. It got compounded once this started. Whether parents keep their children home, send them, 
they're really dealing with all the same issues either way. It's about having conversations that are pretty uncomfortable. And the reality is parents getting on the same page, finding a balance because there's one piece of, well, are my children safe? And then even if you don't believe they're totally safe, how do you want to handle them having a life if you're really worried? So I I think everything got compounded um, big time. And it's, I don't want to say it's not going to get better for a while, but the reality is there was a mental health crisis before this. Yep. I don't know if I had said it to you before we met the first time because we were months back. But, you know, most people, the literal number one thing I hear from people is, gee, you must be really busy, which is a great assumption, but it's actually not the case. I think a lot of therapists, particularly ones who like take insurance, are for now. I think in a year we're going to see the fall. You're, you're, you're cash based, though, right? Yeah, for the most part, yeah. yeah. Okay. So some people are going to come to me. The fact of the matter is, whether people show up or not, people are dealing with the same problems, mm. and it's the same stuff from before. The subject it's, matter changes. It, it, a little is it bit. not compounded at all? I think everything's been compounded. Yeah. I think the fact that parents got thrown into the home and now we're on quadruple duty of meals, school teaching. Mm -hmm. They're now in their homes doing their jobs. Everybody's on top of one another. I mean, it it could have been anything that caused this. You would still get a lot of the same problems because what was the divorce rate they said? You know, over the last couple years, what, 50, 60%? Uh, I remember it being as high as 54%, being as low as 47% in that range. So there's a delta there for sure, depending on how well the economy was doing, which is another interesting topic because you would think that if the economy was doing better, it would be less. It was actually more because people could afford the divorce. That's correct. <laughs> right? Now That's we have more to fight over. Right, exactly. One of the main reasons why I brought Jason back in for the audience is to talk about the article that Michelle introduced to me. The U.S. divorce rates skyrocketed amid COVID-19 pandemic. The number of people looking for divorce was 34% higher from March through June compared to 2019. That is, it's almost unrealistic. Well, it it almost is. There's a fine line between, and again, this happened before COVID, people wanted to get divorced. There is a fine line between wanting to get divorced and really being willing and able to do it. Not financially speaking. Yeah. I mean, emotionally speaking. To go through the process, to go through the hardship, to execute a plan that's been, when you think about divorce, it's it's predispositioned. Sure. I've had people where they would come into the office and say, I need to get a divorce. And my first question typically is, oh, okay, did you get an attorney? Well, no, I'm not ready for that yet. So what the hell are we talking about? Unless you're an attorney who can do their own. I, I mean, I don't know that that's possible. So, so let, me, let me, you brought up something that this, you know how I am with curiosity. What does divorce look like? Just the process alone. Michelle and I, thankfully, happily married. Like every couple, we have the arguments, so we're not perfect by any stretch. Who is? Right, exactly. But there is no perfect. What does it look like for most? Yeah. It's a very difficult process. Yeah. Because... It really depends on the personalities and the egos of the people involved. Oh, nice word that you just threw in there, egos. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> what it boils down to at the end. I mean, it every really relationship does, right? is based on the egos. Yeah. Everything we see is based on egos, inadequacies, defenses. Straight up. There's, right. there, there's no way around that. 
So what does it look like? For a lot of people, it's a very painful process because it can be finger pointing, mm. blame. All right. So whatever the numbers come up in an article. So there's this theoretical percentage. That's just scratching the surface, right? Yeah. Let's just take this number for argument's sake, okay? 50% divorce rate. Let's just say there's 50%. Yeah. Pre-COVID, not COVID, we don't, we don't care. Let's just, let's just argue it's 50%. If we believe that, what you're telling me also is that I mean, you're not, but my contention's always been there's another 20% that cannot or will not do it. The divorce rate really is actually higher because there's so many damn people miserable. Why are there so many therapists in business? Sure. Not because we've got it right. I mean, could we wipe out mental health to a high degree? You're damn right we could. Not perfect. Sure. We have obesity. Diabetes, substance use, substance abuse, addiction, suicide, suicidality. We're doing something wrong. Yeah. So what does a divorce look like? It looks like all that. Okay. <laughs> and people arguing because it's about who wants to take their ego out to do what is necessary. I'm going to make those divorce numbers about children because when there's no children involved, it gets easier. Okay. So wait a minute. So the first question you're asking somebody is, Who's your attorney for the most part? Have you hired someone? Have you consulted with an attorney? And I asked that just to see if they really understand what they're talking about because it's really – So that's a test. That's, that's a litmus test for them for the most part. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they're – great mental game. Because they want to come in and they're, and they're angry. Who's coming in more, the females or the males? Requ uh, or the 50-50? I'd argue 50-50. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen – like I've seen it all in, in my practice, so I couldn't say, you know, it's one or the other. I think what we see time and again is whether they get divorced or not. So if they're in the 50% or the 20% that doesn't go, they're not talking about the issues that they need to in the relationship. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to have a problem. It's going to play out and it's going to play out in front of the children one way or the other. All right. So we broke that down. We know, we know the numbers are really not true. They're actually worse than what they're even presented. I'm arguing from, again, that's just my own take of, yeah. from what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, but that's, you're coming from a professional standpoint. I have a decent who's bias. Who's lived through this, who's experienced this, who's heard all the excuses in the world. What, okay, COVID. The reality of what COVID did, it forced us to be at home and be with people that we either love or we don't love so much. We'll leave it at that. Okay, so for sure, it presented everyone an opportunity to either continue to pick up on the good stuff or to pick up on the bad stuff. What is the root cause? And I think you already said that the word, which is driving this higher divorce rate. People looking into it, requesting it, etc. Or is it multiple things? And the reason why I'm asking it this way is what triggers should people be looking for to help themselves ahead of time so they can have the dialogue that they need to to help themselves before it reaches a point where they feel there's no return it's a great question you were talking about a litmus test right yeah well people have to put themselves to their own litmus test mm -hmm. and they have to really look at themselves what does that look like their own litmus test so it may be sitting down talking with a professional so you know it's one thing somebody wants to get a divorce they say i want to 
Do they really so that's understand an emotion. what that you're, is? You're saying that's an emotion more or less than anything else. It's all about the emotions. Okay. Largely speaking, it's about the emotions. Mm-hmm. If I have a couple and each one wants to take a hard look at themselves, that's the first step. Whether that can happen is, you know, that could be a pipe dream at that rate. Yeah. If they do that, then they can work towards having a conversation about what's really going on and can they work at it. Like anything else in business or, where, you know, wherever in the world, egos and personalities are usually the defining factor. Right. Interesting. So, and again, in a family with children, the personalities and the egos of the parents affect the parenting style. Ultimately, and this I will stand on, if each parent stands behind the other from a parenting standpoint, mm-hmm. doesn't undermine, even if they wanted to, but doesn't undermine it and they show real support as a dyad, those work out usually really well. Mm. Those are the ones that have less trouble. That's hard, man. Wow. I mean, let, let, let's peel that back for just a minute before you keep going. You're talking about two people who have their own combined personality from their mother and their father, mm-hmm. their own pre-family dynamic, the family that they had before mm-hmm. they created their own, mm-hmm. times two. Mm-hmm. So all those aunts, those uncles, those grandparents who had that influence in that person, their parents, mother and father, okay? Mm-hmm. And then... Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> well said. Am, am I peeling that back right? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. I mean, isn't that how everybody shows up in a relationship? You, you're taking. I read, I read an Instagram post that I thought it was funny as hell. The real question I want to ask you before we start dating is what shit haven't you told me before we go further? That's right. That's right. <laughs> if people showed up, there's a, there's a few of them that look like it's like a first date should be about talking about your personal traumas. And if you get those out in the open right then. Day one, you're good, right? You, you start there. It's like, yeah. okay, we got some mutual ground. I, I don't know which, <laughs> you know, I don't know if it was Rita Rudner. Uh, was talking about playing mixed up doubles when you bring your personal problems into the doubles game in tennis. But I, I, and it might have been Robin Williams too throwing out cards like, okay, hated my father, put that one down. Okay, <laughs> siblings were trouble. You know, you keep throwing your cards on the table. So look, that's funny. Dude. From, a, from a parenting standpoint, and, and I'm biased about this because I was. Why do you t- keep going back to parenting? I'm noticing that that's coming up a lot right now. Because when children are in a marriage, it is literally, this might sound controversial or piss no, somebody off, but I, I know it's okay to say, but yeah. in a set of it, parents, typically, if the parents are really supportive of one another, uh-huh. in a parenting dyad, things go really well. And I put that above anything else, basically. Okay. Infidelity, other personal problems that people have, if a parent shows up really well as the support of the other one Mm. everything is relative to that and i will argue further that most marriages that really suffer that is the common factor there's a lack of support as parents i I mean i literally would go to my grave with that one really that's how much i stand on that one because what i've definitely seen clinically and again take my bias i'm the son of two psychoanalysts I grew up in and around the field. My mother's been a practitioner for most of my life. Before I forget, (laughs) so Jason's been on the show before. He comes from a family who has a lot of expertise in this particular topic. He grew up in this atmosphere. He knows this atmosphere well. He decided to pursue it. There was something really funny too, by the way, that your mother said, something about never being out of work or something like that, that I was laughing at. Oh, so 
when I finished my school internship, which was uh, 25 years ago, working in my old school district yeah. as a school psychologist, my mom was in practice in town. And well before I knew, you know, was going to find out later, I met her for dinner one night and I looked at her and I go, you're never going to be out of work. That was, that was my yeah, comment. That's exactly right. <laughs> Great memory. That's what I said. Not knowing that was actually the only prophetic thing I've ever said because I didn't realize how far that was going to go when I started getting my training. Right, right. So it, it actually sort of went exponentially from there. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's it's a high bias being around it. And my mother's, you know, shtick, bent, whatever we call it, is definitely the parenting. But I watched her do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she did some of it on her own um, as a single parent. Yeah. So, you know, much credit to her for holding that line. I think the fact of the matter is when when you have a two-parent family, you know, an intact house, again, I know there's every other derivation, but when you have a two-parent in-home system, if dad is supportive emotionally of mom, it works out really well. Define emotionally, please, if you don't mind. What do you mean emotionally? Just supporting her words, supporting her actions, but you're seeing emotions. Is there something else there? That It may be both. So- Typically, I think it's fair to say that mom typically is the emotional lightning rod. Mom is the primary parent very often yes, due to whatever factors. And even if it's not the case, but if it is the case, how dad shows up to empower her is the key. Mm. I have never seen that go wrong when it's done right. So what's the, uh, the phrase they use? Disney dad. Disney dads are a danger, Okay. They're always pissing the mother off. So imagine that. <laughs> I've never heard that before. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really? Disney dad. Disney dad is like, imagine this. Here's the scenario that happens. I'm asking, I think, for myself. <laughs> yeah, well, we all want to know, right? <laughs> so Am I Disney dad? The typical situation that fails is mom is home. Mom does taking care of the kids. She's cooking, but making sure the house is, runs the household. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Putting the kids to bed. Dad comes in and decides it's playtime getting the kid riled up where the kid can't fall asleep. Was that emotionally supportive? No. No. No, no, no. Right. What happens from there? It's really simple. Dad keeps up that kind of behavior. You know what's happening next? Dad's not going to be getting sex. Oh, okay. It's that cut and dry. You know, when they say happy wife, happy life, it's not like a stupid comment. It's like, this isn't a difficult formula, but everybody's screwing it up. There's like therapists in this, in the, you know, the South Florida area. It's like pizzerias in New York City. There's like one on every block. So there's a, a good friend of mine. He always talks about the tribe. Back before people were living in caves and the male was the hunter gatherer, mm-hmm. was allowed to be messy, sloppy, because he had to get it done. While the mom was the really detailed oriented and really disciplined. Sure. The male wasn't the disciplined one. It was the mom that was the mm-hmm. disciplined one. And the reason why she was the disciplined one was because she had to make sure that she identified where the poisonous berries were, where the berries that could be harvested were, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Nothing's changed. The only thing that we realize right now is that we think we can do whatever we want because we have the internet <laughs> for the most part, right? right. And it gets in the way. <laughs> right. but, but think, you know, we talk, obviously we talk about mindfulness all the yeah. time. So if a dad is emotionally supportive, it means he's mindful. Yeah. It means he's aware of what she did. He would be the one who says, you know, did they do their homework? Are they been helpful? It's that kind of stuff. The best question someone could ask in that situation then would be, I would imagine, how can I help you? That's as simple as it gets. Right. Yeah. yeah. What can I do? What can I do for you? And if a wife knows, again, it would work the other way too. Yeah. If a wife knows that 
that's who's showing up all the time emotionally. Mm -hmm. They feel fulfilled. They feel validated. They feel like it was worth their effort. You know, again, it's not that nobody has an argument ever, mm. but if these numbers are right or the 50%, whatever you want to call it, they're too high. We could get into like a 12-hour discussion about marrying and what age yeah. and statistics. But the fact of the matter is when someone is emotionally supportive, they are mindful and thoughtful of what their partner needs. And that alone is better than gold. Yeah, I agree with that. And, I, and I've never had a situation <laughs> – the situations that I invariably am called into is where that is missing profoundly. So let's start stitching this together a little okay. bit. So – What's essentially happening is what everything you just mentioned wasn't happening as optimally as it could have. I'm trying to keep this positive. <laughs> no, that was great. That was great. <laughs> because it, it can very easily go down a freaking big dark rabbit hole that you just no return. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so on that end, right there. Now on the other end, COVID hit, or it doesn't have to be COVID for that matter. It can be a family crisis or death. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's going to force something like what everyone's going through now so the unsupportive nature of we're going to say just keep it typical the male towards the mom the female the detail oriented one in the house wasn't there ahead of time it's just going to be escalated even more because now it's going to be on the daily every minute every hour every day right that's exactly it and families could manage to stay in that 20 percent yeah because they didn't have to deal with it as much and they can use, well, we're staying together for the children. And again, there's one piece of it where I, I certainly understand. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's how it goes down. It's, it's really that simple. So it really comes down to one question for the most part. Is the couple, not the parents, because we don't, we don't want to assume it's just parents because it happens. But is the couple asking the question bilaterally, how can I help you? What would make this easier for you? What would you like to see from this? Exactly. Yeah. Look, it's like, it's no different than getting help, mental health expertise. If somebody, you know, an individual calls my office. Okay. If a couple calls my mm. office and both people really, look, we want to work on our marriage. We, I want to, you know, someone says, I want to be a better dad. Again, it's ego. How much does the person say, I need to change. I can change. I'm willing to change. Mm. She's right. I'm a putz. You like how many, you know, how many guys <laughs> say that, right? It's not, not something you hear often. Right, right, right. That's like, you know, men asking for directions. We don't see it that much. It's a, it's a great joke. Just to be clear, I'm the one who always wants to ask for directions, but I'm looking at it from a time efficiency standpoint. Now, Michelle, who's a smart of the whip, uh, she yes. can look at something and she's like, no, no, let's figure it out. And I don't know how she does it. I still don't know how she does it. I'll never figure it out, but she can go to a new part of the world. And know where to go. Some people can figure it out. I'm just like, how did you do that? <laughs> now, I know at one point she had to have looked at a map, but it's like memorized. I look at it. I can't get down the street to the supermarket without my GPS on half the time. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm the kid who got on the wrong school bus, you know, when I was young. So I, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. I think, but this is really what happens is if you have two willing partners come in, they resolve it. I just think what gets missed is because there's a massive issue with mental health, which is broad, obviously, yeah. that a lot of people aren't willing to do it. And yes, despite whatever anybody sees about the, you know, the whole COVID situation, the fact of the matter is you are inordinately compounded with that person. To go a step further, I'm going to say that the parents where there is a mindful partner mm -hmm. doesn't have to be perfect, but where they're like, 
They're being considerate of the other person. Considerate and just yeah. they're supportive and then there's there's nothing and then there's contentious. Mm. But if you're just acquiescing to the partner all the time, even that's supportive. But if you're not and you need to be, and I'm obviously I'm gonna give the due to the female partner. Yeah. And again, it's relative because in every dyad, whatever the dyad is, gender-wise and otherwise. If one partner's ego gets in the way, I think I, I think I joked with you beforehand. If I come back in another life, um, I'm, you did. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to be either Palm Beach divorce attorney yeah. or Miami Beach plastic surgeon. Those yeah. are the jobs. Those are the jobs. And the first one is probably the one that's good because this is what's happening. Not everyone needs plastic surgeries. I'd go with the lawyer too. <laughs> People are going to have to decide: do you know? Do I want a facelift or a tuck, or get rid of this person? They're you know they're going to they're going to think well, it out. I was thinking about the Miami butt lift. Right, right. <laughs> there so was a guy with a billboard. Yeah. When you're going out of Miami, that has the Miami butt lift. Yeah. It, built, it was hilarious. Was Great like, advertising. What the hell is that? Great advertising. It's true. He's not messing around. He's doing well. <laughs> He's doing well. Yeah, yeah, no, no kidding. So we got to the point. We got to the question. We, we nailed that out. It's easier said than done. It's a lot easier said than done. Yeah. So what are the steps? If someone came in and you're like, look, dude, you got to go have a conversation with your wife or ma'am, you got to go have a good conversation with your husband. Okay, and I can definitely see the relationship there when the Disney dad, and then all of a sudden he stops getting rewarded. I actually, that's a completely wrong word. Excuse me. I didn't mean that. It just came out. <laughs> well, it might, it might fit sometimes. It might fit. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It, it's That would be taken out of context, but some men would look at it that way. There's no more sexual intimacy. There's not that, that closeness, that reciprocity. It's all gone. It's all kind of faded away, which then starts compounding and leads to other things. It's as simple as when you peel it all back, going back to that one question. Now, why don't people just ask the question? It's pretty cut and dry. What's the mental block? What's the emotions that they're not feeling? I understand there's ego involved, but there's other aspects too, because it's like, well, I shouldn't, they should understand me. But I've learned I'm wrong first, and then you peel back that, and then you move forward from there. Which on one... And there's a lot of stuff that's packed into that one question, but my point is, break it down. How do you, how you start the new road, walking down the new trail? Well, you know, you said one part of it, which is not the piece that happens very often. You took responsibility that you could yeah, have been wrong. Yeah. But that's a major step. That's taking your ego and throwing it out the window. If everybody could do that more often, there'd be less clashing. There just would be. So to the question about, you know, what would I say to the person? I said jokingly somewhat, and somewhat, the first question was, did you, did you hire an attorney? Because mm. that's a litmus test. Yeah. And then you start to get into why they haven't and their fears. Mm. And until they work through their fears, having a conversation with the partner is a relative thing. So there's a, wow, I never even thought of it that way. There's actually a fear of actually following through with it. Well, what keeps most people from following through, right? I mean, if, if, we, if we really fears, if we, yeah. If we okay. really break, I mean, we, I, I get it because we don't think of it that way, but people are afraid of what is everybody going to think? I mean, yeah, you, okay. When you really get into it and break it down you, and you challenge it, that's why that litmus test question. You know what I'm thinking simply, right I'm thinking right now, I'm like, damn, they just spent all this money to come see me at my wedding and then. <laughs> right. That's, well, those are things because that's related to shame. Uh, right. I'm sure that's the real thought people have had at some point, right? For sure. If you line up. Or in, your parents spending 25 to 50 grand on a wedding 
That's probably low on the low end too, by the way. Right. <laughs> In today's day and age. Right. That goes back to the core issue of shame. Right. So when you unpack all that, a parenting issue is a parenting issue. If it's a safety issue in particular, I, I have to look at one, if the person is, is the person really, how many people are going to come into my office ready to get a divorce? Yeah. If they were really ready to get a divorce, guess where they'd be? At the attorney's office. Right. Right. They have stuff to unpack. Mm. There might be a lot of reasons they're afraid. They might come from a divorced home. You know, who knows what their basis for shame is? Mm. They might have some really reasonable and I'll say separately, realistic reasons for not doing it. Okay. So if you're saying this right, if I'm understanding it correctly, some of the reasons leading to why they just can't ask that simple question and break through those barriers, one is ego, but two are fears from past experiences, whether they have it in their own family or have seen something else. Fair? Sure. Yeah. You were talking about like the, um, you, you know, you come from your families, right? So what do you bring? You bring your own personal story and traumas. Right. Oh, yeah. You bring your baggage with you. Right. Yeah, that's why, you know, speed dating, if it's done right, should be throwing them all out on the first. If you make yeah, it yeah. past that, you're, you got a better chance. <laughs> <laughs> so for some reason, people either, and I, I mean, I understand this personally because it took me a long time to get to a certain point where I could be confrontational with things um, just in life, but people are afraid to have confrontation. Again, whatever their reasons are. They might be afraid they're going to upset their child. People have to get strong enough that they're going to, you know, what's the, uh, if you want to make an omelet, you're going to have to break some eggs. Getting people comfortable enough that they do that. That's, mm. that's the validating piece to get people through whatever their fear is. It can be shame-based often is, again, think about it, the fear people live in communities, right? They don't mm. want to, they don't want to do it. Oh, but my, my sister had a great marriage. What I'm going to be the loser in the family. Everybody has their story. Yeah. Yeah. Some people also at the same time, respectfully don't need to be married. They need a divorce because it's really unhealthy. Theoretically, yes. Theoretically, no, I mean, and realistically, they realistically, did. yeah, because maybe it really was a bad decision. Maybe it really did not fit. They still have those issues, though. I mean, I don't even know where I'm going. I'm, I'm, I'm not confused. It's all sitting there, and it all makes sense. But there's so much to unpack. That's it's really complex. It is, and that's why it takes time. So when the person says to me, "I want to get divorced," my gut reaction, I know, is like. And I've, I think I did say this one time, like, do you have any idea what the hell you're saying? Yeah. Like, I literally said that to the person because I don't think they understood the magnitude. What's the cost to get divorced nowadays? And, and I'm going to give you a gauge. When I lived in New Jersey, we didn't live in Atlantic City, but we lived in a town just outside the island. I remember I was like, get divorced for like 250 bucks. And I was like, damn, <laughs> that's pretty cheap. 250, $250. I think that was. Yeah. It, it, let's yeah. put it this way. If you have the only way. I know it's, it's cheap, not that. that no, cost, we, we, we'd like it to be. The only way it's cheap. If you have two people willing to get out. And that's how it should be. They really should. It should be done like a steel cage match in wrestling. No one gets to leave. You have a certain amount of time. You either get this done or you're going to get flogged when you walk out. Like, uh, if everybody had what? to get it done, they would get it done. Yeah. If you knew there was going to be a penalty and more pain for not accomplishing it, you'd get it done. Right. So going back to what your point was about the fact of the matter is while somebody should get out, 
that doesn't mean they will. Mm. And the pain has to be great enough that they will jump over it. And that pain could be excruciating mm. and beyond expensive. Yeah. Because people will damage themselves any which way. They do it with drugs. They do it with people. Yeah. So to give a range real quick, this is why I don't leave people hanging on a cliffhanger here. 10 grand, 15 grand. If you're lucky. If you're lucky, really. I mean, that's like a retainer from what I've gathered. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah. So it's probably- We're in, we're in Boca. Are we kidding? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't make a business out of that, right? So it's probably, I would imagine, close to $50,000, the way you're sounding, or even way more. If we're just talking legal costs alone, I'm sure it's over 100. Oh, Look, the experience generally for people when they get divorced is not a positive experience. It's yeah. just not. It's usually gotten to, and this is again. And then that's if we're just talking about couples at this point. We're not even talking about with kids or anything either. I'm leaving it to the ones with kids. Okay. All right. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm talking families. Yeah. A couple that's just a couple, mm. it's relative. I think the contention is so different when children are involved. There's so much more angst, anguish, resentment. What's the. Billy Crystal, City Slickers. Oh, yeah, Daniel yeah. Stern has that great line. If hate were people, I'd be China. <laughs> <laughs> if resentment were people, that, that's how people are when they get to it. I mean, it's, again, we can joke about it, obviously, yeah. but it's a really sad thing because is, yeah. this is the human condition. And again, it was really exposed <laughs> by what's happened over the last six months. Again, you could avoid your partner before. Oh, I got a meeting at work. I, you know, I got to go out, take the client out for dinner at the. Yeah, you had an outlet. You had a lot of ways to do it, and, yeah. and so it did change. Let me jump into something real quick here. Not with the, the obvious, the virtual school and school stuff. That's a, I think that's a not a softball, but pretty obvious for the most part. Alcohol. Okay, now depending on where people lie spiritually, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm under the belief that alcohol stops the bodies from vibrating, stops the bodies from uh, releasing this natural uh, ambitions, okay, and the law of attraction type, if you will, okay? Alcohol sales went through the roof. What correlations are you seeing there in the house? I want to leave everyone with basically a what are 10 things, quote unquote, that have to be 10, you can do to identify your marriage issues. If you have a drinking problem, the kids at school, virtually, your social game, all of it. Mm-hmm. Because it's all it's all playing in the same sandbox and people are making a mess right now. Sure. Right. All right. So I'm going to lay it out pre-post and again, to tie it later, we can do it. Yeah. So if we take five spheres, emotional, physical, social, intellectual, spiritual. Okay. Those are the spheres of you know, like wellness as we sort of call it. I mean, some people have four, some people have six, but I think I go with those five. Okay. If those aren't in check and being managed and monitored, if that's not how you live your life, what's going to happen is when you get stressed mm-hmm. and despite, again, anything that anybody thinks, a lot of people's finances were affected. Yeah. Right? There's no way around that. A lot of people lost their jobs or furloughed. Furloughed, lost jobs, their industry got hit. Again, it it affected their home. Did you hear the new stats today, by the way, about New York City? Just on the financial side? No. 55% of the small businesses that existed pre-COVID. Now, it's off. It's a high percentage of where that number numerically is off. And it's somewhere around 8 to 9% because some of those businesses were going to go under anyways. But let's just take that out. Well, leave it in first. But it's 55% 
of businesses, small businesses are now gone for good. If you remove, let's say you round up to 10%, that's still 45%. That is unbelievable. I mean, those families. I remember reading, no, I watched on Fox News. There was a gentleman who just took out a loan, a personal loan for $125,000 for his business. Prime bread and butter, that was their main and only source of income. And they were doing well. They wanted to expand. They wanted to grow the business. They wanted to bring in more jobs. Boom, shut down because it was you just couldn't go anywhere. You were in quarantine. It doesn't give perspective of what people really are. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's massive. And again, everything is relative to the coping skills you had going in. Right. In a home life, your problems are magnified. In a financial life, we'll call it a little separate, a uh, business life, it's compounded. Mm. So people's coping skills are going to be tested. Right. So alcohol, technically a depressant. So would sales go up? Sure. People say, well, I'm not going to go out. And again, every excuse and reason can be, well, I'm not going to go out to no, the bar. You really jacked up is those stores were considered a necessity and left open. Correct. So when we look at wellness. Really jacked up. Right. So it was essential because across the board, people are allowed to numb themselves any which way to the point it makes them not functioning. You know, outside of a drunk driving ticket, there's no penalty for stupidity of your own. If it affects other people, it can change, but right. there's no actual penalty, you know, by law. So if you're drinking, well, until it affects somebody else, it's, quote, not a problem. Yeah. So I'm not shocked that it went up. And the numbers were close to 40%. Sales and alcohol sales are up 40%. I could believe it. Yeah. Because I think we've gotten to this point more so as time has gone on that, look, we're a medicated society that tends to numb, whether it be prescribed medications yeah. or otherwise. Yeah. But again, alcohol, I'm going to put it in the range of food because food is a medicator, albeit, you know, we got to eat. Yeah. Don't have to drink alcohol. It's not a requirement yeah. to, to life. We don't have to eat as much either. No. <laughs> we, well, we don't. So, right. And, you know, we have a lot of food. So you said the alcohol sales going to be because people aren't coping appropriately for sure. The thing I heard, I don't know, it was 60 days ago was the Zoloft supply was in question. Like we thought we oh, might. Oh, Yeah. Well, that's that's as telling as anything. Well, no, it's funny. Think about Sean saying we had on from Visagen. Mm -hmm. They have a new medication that they're proposing. It's not released yet. And they were saying the benzos, because it's all off. And I was thinking Xanax, not Xanax. That's a, Xanax, one of them. Anti-anxiety, right? Xanax, Xanax, yeah, Xanax okay, and benzos. So yeah. right. Okay, so the Xanax, a little off. They've come up with a medication design where it's going right to the amygdala through a nasal spray. And I'm like, okay, interesting concept. I know anatomy really well, really, really well. I'm interested to see how that turns out. I would be too. Yeah. I do agree with the approach to the medicine. It's fast acting. It's not affecting the organs. Because I do believe that there is a good healthy balance between what people need just to get going and then eventually weaning themselves off to nothing mm -hmm. that's a fair approach mm -hmm. that for anybody because you, most people don't have the strength or the fortitude to go through cold turkey so if that's an approach all day right and the one thing i don't understand about the pharmaceutical companies in general for drug therapies is long term really long term four five six years they're doing clinical studies and they have these turkey hawk methods that are 
how do you know after six to nine months? It's not, that's not a really fair analysis. We need years, which is making me question the vaccine for coronavirus. And I'm going off topic sure. here. But my point is, they really, that Zola, I, I can see why it's coming off the shelf the way it's coming off, like a, a supply, because people over-prescribing it and getting it. It was going on before COVID hit. Yeah. Coping skills. I, I don't even know how many books there are on the subject of how medicated we are and how literally unhealthy Sangha we Guru, are. Sangha Guru, I mentioned in Sean Singh's, they said 70% of the global population is taking some form of drug therapy, whether it be aspirin or a prescribed non-over-the-counter drug. Mm-hmm. Right. It boils down to development coping skills. Yeah. And then if you take that into a relationship, you're going to really see what happens. Mm-hmm. So back to the alcohol, just like a medication, for some people, they think this is the only way I'm going to be able to cope with my partner and keep it together. And I'm not saying that's good. Yeah. I'm saying that's for sure, what happens for some people, mm-hmm. like, well, this will help me sleep at night. I'll be less anxious That's going to bed. not true, by the way. For a lot of people listening to this, alcohol does not help you sleep at night. It may get you to bed faster, but it will wake you up way sooner. Perception of what it's going to do mm. versus looking at the problem. Right, 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 uh, right. You know, as a therapist, because I'm not the psychiatrist, I look at what is the underlying causes roots, feelings that you're not dealing with, which is why you're medicating yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not saying someone shouldn't medicate themselves. You mentioned fear as a lot of the underlying. What particularly about fear and trauma? Here's what I have learned. I've learned a lot since you and I last met. <laughs> you knew a lot before, so we're doing pretty good. <laughs> Thanks. The only two fears that we are born with are the fear of falling and loud noises. Everything else is the learned. Or what we believe is reality, but it's really not. It doesn't exist. So going back to the fear question, back to you, what are most people saying they're fearful of? Where did it come from? What's that emotion that, that's bringing it out? That ultimate question right there is probably the underlying and what you're getting at. All these relationships falling apart, the marriages. Part of it is, you know, we have the two <laughs> fears that you're sort of born with. Yeah, everything's relative to what you learn growing up. So your experiences One of the things that we learn is how to experience and process emotions. So mad, sad, glad, and afraid. If we Mm -hmm. take the cognitive behavioral approach, mad, sad, glad, and afraid. Where's the tolerance in there? (laughs) Well, it's a relative thing. So take out glad. That leaves us with three, mad, sad, afraid. Yep. How many people learn, truly learn how to process those emotions? While it's a trope of society to joke about how men process their emotions. I mean, you know, there's lots of movies where it's shown. I think and analyze this with De Niro. I think one of the lines is, you've got two emotions, anger and rage. Yeah, yeah. The jokes are there because there's some, I hate there's to say- There's a out there about all that, yeah. Sure, there's a stigma and there is there is some truth to the stereotype. Greg Gilly spoke about that in his episode too. We both did. We recognized the bravado around the man. Jim. And he actually came out and said, he's like, look, when you break out of that and you get into your emotion- wonderful things happen that's right wonderful things happen and i can attest to that i mean i had gone through you know the drill there's no more right or wrong that's a that's a big one that's a really big one i'm right you're right there is no right or wrong there's just an opportunity to change where our weak points may be or not even weak points a different point of view do we need to be right If you're going to have an argument, which I think is where couples always fail, Mm. there's an argument over being right. They spend more energy and time fighting over that 
than they are having sex. Right. That's not going to work well for a relationship. You don't need a PhD to figure this one out. Yeah. But that really happens a lot. Mm -hmm. So people don't learn to process mad, sad, and afraid because that's what they learned growing up. And that also comes from how mommy and daddy, and again, I'm using them stereotypically, yeah. interact. But it's, that's fair. I mean, it's, it's, if proportionally, we'll say it's still there's still a lot of that. Yeah. In a two-person home, that's what they're seeing. So how did mommy react? How did daddy react? How do they handle conflict? You're learning that your whole life. Mm. And how reasonable your parents are is going to have a lot of effect on how reasonable you become. So let me throw Michelle and I into the mix on this real quick, because we both have changed considerably about how we deal with conflict. Mm -hmm. We still get mad. It's not expressed that way anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really just more, more controlled, more directed. Okay. How is that not understood? I guess. What are we going to gain from this? Big question. And I actually said it earlier today because uh, one of my oldest daughters, Matt, younger daughters, and I said, what's your gain here? Like, what are you going to gain from this? Yelling or being mm -hmm. upset? Yeah, but dad, so Michelle and I have both of doing that now. Uh, there's still moments where we're like, ugh. In our res respect to this household is we have four kids in virtual school. Four. And we're all also moving externally as well for whatever activities they need to have. I guess there's so much to unpack. It it's almost hard. I'm putting myself in these scenarios for these people. I can empathize with them because really there's just so much there if they're not willing if they're not to wi take it on. Right. But you guys were willing enough to do right? that. It goes back to the same thing each time. Unfortunately, oh, maybe fortunately, ego. How does that play out? And ego is related to willingness, yeah. how reasonable somebody is. And your family of origin has a lot to do, obviously, with how that goes. Right. How you watched your parents. Now that we have changed our approach, mm -hmm. there was and is a learned response from those kids. And not that we all of a sudden expect something new from them, a new response from them, because we changed our approach to them. Mm -hmm. How long does that take? About 23 years. No. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, how long does it take? The reason why I'm asking that is this, because there was a response that I got from one of my daughters. We were sitting down at dinner, and I was like, hmm, I see an emotion there. Where is that coming from? And I didn't allow them to really escape it. I used a different tactic. I didn't say, you need to tell me. It wasn't, it wasn't that at all. Mm -hmm. I said, well, if I was to introduce you to a question, you're in complete control. You don't have to answer it. It's up to you. Mm -hmm. But if you wanted to answer the question, what would you say? What might you say about that? It was, well, in, there wasn't any hesitation at all. Correct. So they came back and they said, look, Dad, you are improving. Mm -hmm. You are doing this better. But before, and I'm like, ah, okay. And I said, well, can you give me a chance? Give me a different consideration. Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling that emotion, can you say, wait a minute. Let's see what else he has to bring. Yeah. Just something simple like that. It can that. happen really quick. Yeah. Is that fair? Yeah. Is that the right approach or there's something that we're missing there? I think what I hear is that it's an emotionally intelligent approach. And also in that you're displaying a calm demeanor in doing it. Mm -hmm. What are most parents doing when they get into these issues? They react. 
why are they reacting? Yeah. Because of their ego, because if they think they're being- I'm the boss, I'm the parent, I'm this. If they, right, right, if they think they're being challenged and they let that get in, if they know they're in charge, mm. they're not gonna worry about it. So let's take with us into virtual school real quick. Sure. The kids recognize that the school systems don't know what they're doing because the parents are showing frustration because things are not in order. I don't think they're waking up to say, you know, we're going to mess this whole thing up on purpose. But there are some things that probably could have been handled a little bit better. First time for most of these people dealing with this. I don't know what, what had, they didn't do any of this with the swine flu, right? And that I thought I remember. No. I don't remember this. That either. No. So my point is all this, they're doing their best. So you have all these kids in virtual school. We particularly have four kids. Uh, we have three in middle school and one in high school. When I say, and this is an understatement, that um, Michelle deserves a cookie every second of the day for getting these kids through it, because I'm working. Because mm-hmm. again, we fit that role where I'm out doing something else. She takes on the primary responsibility, right? What are people supposed to do here? How are they supposed to manage this? What other things are they supposed to be considering? The virtual mm-hmm. I'm thinking of all the stuff now, which yeah. is why my head's spinning a little bit, because it's like now you get all that, just that alone. The, the virtual school, the homework, the school activities, and then you're trying to put it on top of just the communication between the mom and the dad or the partners, mm-hmm. right? Go. I mean, there's a lot there, man. It's a lot there. <laughs> Go back to the original thing about if dad is supportive of mom. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Okay, what does that do? That opens up the communication. The most important communications actually happen before the child is actually born, let alone maybe conceived. And that might simply be, look, we're going to have kids, people coming in with what their values are for the children. Now, granted, no one was thinking about- But don't you think that's going to develop as well? Not change, but develop, meaning it's, it, it's going it, to ebb and flow. There's going to ebb and flow. But there's a fine line between concept and- structure. And by that, I mean, if two parents say, look, I want to teach my child to be independent mm-hmm. and social, functioning as a emotionally independent young adult, etc. If that's their concept, it doesn't really matter at that point exactly what happens if they feel in control. Is parents- that the right approach though, feeling in control? Isn't that part of the ego? Well, that's, yeah. So your control (laughs) is relative to, all right, so let's take with school. Yeah. What makes a child really functional? Being able to function independently. Mm -hmm. But that's broad. Does it- Teaching them to fish versus giving them a fish, right? Correct. But how many parents are logged into that versus- we have these stickers, you know, that go on the back of the cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So if the parents are both on the page that look, we're not concerned so much about your grades, but we're damn concerned about your effort. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that before. Yeah. yeah. They're in so they're in sync. That's conceptually what they both value system based, what they believe in. Mm-hmm. It works. So the child's gonna be thinking about that and they're gonna see Mom reacts a particular way and dad reacts a particular way. And while their personalities might be a bit different, if both parents remain calm, what does that do? It models the behavior for the child, which yeah. is ultimately one of absolute most important things 
the child can see. I've always told that to my daughters growing up. Haven't said as much recently. They've gotten it. Actually, one of them, I will tell you about cigarettes in one moment, but I always say, look, it, I don't care the grades or anything. It's the effort. Mm-hmm. It's the effort at the end of the day. You need to make sure that the effort's there. Surrounding cigarettes. <clears throat> Let me make sure I'm clear with this one. I said, if I ever catch you smoking, I'll punch you in the face. Period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they go, okay. Now, I wouldn't necessarily punch them, but I put the thought. I'm like, I, you will not smoke, well, period. It's, it's, it's a non-negotiable. And yeah. you're, you're preaching to the choir on that <laughs> one because it came up when we were kids. Yeah. So it, <laughs> not for me. I, I, I'll, I'll say here as I throw my sister under the bus. Um, What's her name? My sister, Lara. Lara, sorry. Yeah, who's, who's just the most <laughs> awesome sibling I could have asked for. There was one confrontation with my mother. What was very clear is if you cross the line with my mother, you were going to pay a heavy consequence. And there was no question about that being the case. Mm. What has happened though, and I, you know, we definitely discussed this last time a bit, those rules have changed for a lot of parents. Yeah, they have. That is also at the core of these arguments that lead to one parent not supporting the other, one being more lenient, the other becomes the hard ass and the bad guy or the bad woman. So these are the conflicts. When the parents are very clear, this is non-negotiable. These are the things I expect of you. Mm-hmm. And these are the things that you don't have to worry about the police or getting in trouble. I- I'm going to kill you myself. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the mindset <laughs> that the parent has to have. They do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, because if that was done – so when I said that to my mother about you're never going to be out of work, I didn't have much experience working with you know, substance abuse at that point. That yeah. came later. That confirmed what I always thought. That if you don't draw that line early enough and take enough of a stance, the biggest mistake parents make is not drawing that line. Well, if friends are doing it, why are we letting somebody whose brain is undeveloped, do they handle your 401k? Right. No. Yeah. Have you ever prescribed, well, prescribed may be a strong word, but have you ever made a real recommendation to someone to say, hey, I think meditation for you or I think yoga for you may be a really good I don't know when I haven't. Oh, really? Going back to those five areas, people are lacking. So the alcohol, right? Well, emotional and spiritual mm-hmm. are where people are very much lacking. If it wasn't the case, we wouldn't have a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have such an, a crisis with addiction. While to me, they're obvious when I'm in session, I ask my clients, you know, are you doing these things? What do you do? I let it have them write those five areas yeah. and literally try to define them and then grade themselves. Huh. And then we go over it. That's know, interesting. Because part of it's wellness. If you want to get better, you also have yeah. to look at does your routine suck? You yeah. know, if, if your diet sucks and you don't speak to a nutrition or, or take – how good are you going to feel? You're fit. How are you going to feel if you don't take good care of yourself? Right. You want to feel great about yourself but you don't want to do the work to do it but yeah. somehow you're expecting you will then you must be stoned <laughs> i didn't ask you the point about pharmaceuticals drug therapies you mentioned uh zoloft we talked about it a little bit if alcohol is up 40 percent, those things must be i mean that must be a hockey stick for the stock ticker right now i would imagine for sure people were doing them before they're going to be more so you know, what would be interesting to me is see what the benzos numbers are. So while well, Zoloft is kind of one class, but the Ativans, the Valium, Xanax, 
Uh, what's the other? It's the other one that, that people really abuse of that class. Can't remember it the second. Valium? It's in that class. In class? Uh, Clonopin. Sorry, oh, Clonopin. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to assume those have gone up for people. Yeah. Uh, because, again, you know, there's, there's reasonable fears and there's realistic fears. Everything is related to how much coping skill you had going in. And let's face it, people got thrown a lot. And mm. so with the divorce thing, people are afraid for their future because they've lost hope, which I understand we all have our moments of it. Fear drives so many things. And whatever traumas you brought into it, mm. jack that fear up. There's so much here, man. My gosh. I mean, I thought it was going to be a simple, hey. Uh, yeah, look what we did. U.S. divorce rate yeah. skyrocketed amid COVID-19. You know, you're talking about the virtual schooling. If the parents are saying, look, this is for now. Mm -hmm. If they're focused on what's really important, is my child developing emotionally? Yeah. Most people probably are not there yet. Yeah. They're struggling with a lot of things. Because they have their own selfish desires first. Some people have right. those. Some people are struggling with their own fears. Yeah. So if they have the real conversations, which in a real world, it happens before the conception, but let's, let's be real. So what's, not the, what's the path look like? First, they have to identify there's something needs to change. Something's got to give. Mm -hmm. And it's usually them. Mm -hmm. And I would say that most people, when they have a breakdown, the light bulb goes off and goes, we need to change something. Something happens. They have an enlightenment, whatever. What are the steps, the questions they can ask? Where do people go? How do they do it? I first go to those five areas, emotional, spiritual, social, intellectual, physical. Mm -hmm. Come up with your own definition of what you think they mean, and then grade yourself on how you think you attend to them. So as an example, the emotional sector, okay? Yep. How do you process your emotions? Do you process your emotions? Do you see a therapist? Would some people... Uh, and I, I don't want to assume here, know how to even ask those questions? Well, they got to ask themselves. And in my office, that's usually in my first session. I literally go at that. Okay. So it, let's guide them here if we can. Yeah. So let's do that again. So emotional. Emotional, physical, social, yep. intellectual, and spiritual spheres of your life. Those okay. are the wellness areas, we'll yep. call them. Introspection is important, right? You know, self-growth and all this. Sure. Right? We, we, all, we all talk yeah. about and read and learn. If I'm in pain... I have a choice. But but I'm saying, but my point is emotionally, what questions emotionally should they be asking themselves? So it's, do I process my emotions well? Mm -hmm. Or do I process them at all? At all, right. People have to look at, do I really attend to that? Or Because when I ask most people to grade themselves, mm -hmm. the two scores that are always the lowest, pretty much always, yeah. spiritual and emotional. Now, outside of the fact they've and now- And those two are freaking frack. And arguably, you know, the house of cards- rests on top of it right so if it's faulty if you look at the crisis that we have physically with obesity and mental health wise you don't really have to look far mm. it's, it's not that complicated if you ask yourselves those questions am i really attending to my mental health issues do i have trauma that i've never addressed did i really that's a big one man potentially the biggest Everybody needs to look at, does my past, and everybody has, this is a, a, yeah. this is a crux for a lot of people because they don't want to do it. You know, my past happened, I can't do anything about it. You can't change it, that's for sure, but you can change the perspective in your relationship with it. Mm. So the people who do any work on the trauma, if they ask themselves a the question, is this affecting my relationships? Is it affecting my personal health? We know with addiction, alcohol use, 
the more use that there is, usually we're you know, usually we're medicating something. Sometimes mm -hmm. we're medicating trying to repress the scars that we have. Right, right, right. So, and that's what I think most people need to understand. It needs to come out versus keep kept in. Yeah, that's why they call it the talking cure. It's not by accident. Right. It, it really, it's, I know it sounds like trite, but it's true. Because what I'm envisioning right now is when you develop a bomb, it explodes because there's no room left. Sure. Right? A good analogy there? It's great. And so the more you hold stuff in, eventually something's going to happen either metaphysically, in our physical self, or emotional self, or both, or death. Well, we know that emotional, unresolved emotional stuff manifests into physical. It does, yeah. Because, I mean, semantically, it lives in the body still. It doesn't go away. Right. Right. So, I, I think we had talked to last time about emotional constipation is the term that I use, okay? <laughs> that's, that's the term that I use. That's emotional great. And we know uh, nobody has an issue with what physical constipation is. Yeah. And we can obviously, right. you know, ask Dr. Doric if we have any questions. <laughs> My good friend, Brian. I spoke to him. Two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 We joke about it. So let's well, give him a plug. Let's, let's before we get, for anyone who's looking for executive coaching, health coaching, and health coaching, this is the guy. I Dr. Mean, Brian Doric. Brilliant he, guy. Brilliant guy, smart guy, funny. Anyways, yeah. check him out. He does walk it and talk it. So it's really great. Yeah, he knows he, his But stuff. he does talk about constipation a lot. Right. That's, that's, that's <laughs> one of his things. Right. Right. So we were joking about it, but the truth is, you have physical constipation everybody knows about, but we under estimate what a emotional constipation is right. so if you keep your feelings in all the time what's going to happen eventually well we actually don't necessarily know but one of the things we know is it can manifest somatically in physical symptoms yep. we also know that when people really talk about what's underneath and it gets out it's less toxic right if you didn't go to the bathroom for weeks we know you would have a problem you think you can do that emotionally though somehow and that's the belief that most people have yeah, people believe in therapy and therapeutic modalities. Hiding their stories, hiding their little skeletons, things like that. Because they don't, because they're afraid to have the feelings come up that they will be overwhelmed by. Yeah, because they had to shut it down the first time. If you just be fearful, but do it. Yeah, people have to go. <clears throat> you you got to get past your fears, whatever they are. And again, that's what people. It's not even are. getting past them. I don't necessarily know. One of the challenges that I had a lot was, what did that look like? If you just stop caring what other people's opinions are, Wayne Dyer said this the best, it's I have easy. this memorized, is if other people's opinions matter to you more than your own thoughts, you're basically telling yourself that their opinions are worth more than your thoughts. Right. It's just that simple. Yeah. Their opinion is exactly that their opinion and that's where people are stuck right because there were uh, who's was the guy mark mass is subtle yeah. out of not giving a fuck. that was a great book it's great he, Dude, I, did, I did a disservice though i'll take quick story is mike rowley friend of mine met him on linkedin you i think you may be connected with him as well he said hey hear the book called choose yourself james altiker read it loved it it was just witty fun it was just awesome Right after I picked up Mark Manson's book, Choose Yourself was so good. The first three chapters, I almost don't remember <laughs> of Mark Manson's book. But the last four chapters, I was like, damn, it's, it's unbelievable. Great, it's great stuff. I've joked about the fact that I became an actor when 
I really didn't give a crap. Right. I really didn't. I I was like, what's the dumbest thing I can do right now? And it was follow through on this and risk everything I have <laughs> right, to right, do right. it. And I did it because I really wasn't interested in anything else other than being able to put it to bed, mm. knowing I took the risk, not the outcome. Could give a crap about the outcome, but the outcome happened. Right. But when I got that, that's when I knew. Mm. Getting people to where they can do that. So facing the insecurity, facing what's underlying that, people avoid that. How many people want to feel more insecure? Yeah. You know, no one's calling me saying, can I please come in and be insecure? Can you help me to do it? Like, no one's asking for that. The one thing I, I do want to talk about real quick too, about sure. spirituality, I, I do know it's a big point. Just because you're getting involved with a church or an organization or a following or belief system, which is really the better word here, belief system, doesn't mean that belief system is going to take responsibility or take the burden or take those past traumas away. And yeah. a lot of people, I believe, think that. They're hoping. They're hoping, right? I, and if, you know, Hope is not a good strategy, right? It has some limits. I, I think there's two types. There's When you say spirituality, a lot of people think religion. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's the definition. I think it's about faith, whatever you perceive that to be. Sure. So like you know, for people in recovery, it's not, you know, God, but God of your understanding, whatever that is, you can believe in. It's the power of the ocean. It could be the, the thing you believe in. Mm. It's not going to necessarily take, replace personal choice. Can it give a foundation? Can it give somebody hope and something to connect to, which they have been lacking? Yeah. That's important. And it's a great start too, right? And it's a great start. So what questions can they be asking with that category? So spiritually, do they, I don't want to say do they go to church, but I mean, what questions do they should be asking there? The first thing I, I usually ask somebody to look at is, were you raised with formal religion? A lot of people have been raised with it. And what happens as you get older, it declines. Yeah. The connection to whatever it is, you know, again, if, if you went with your family typically, mm. And then depending on your religion at a certain point, it's like you go through whatever processes and you say, I don't need this. So how disconnected somebody gets from that mm -hmm. is something they should look at. It is important to know that if you were raised with it and you get away from it, mm -hmm. you're putting yourself at risk. Hmm. I've never gotten particularly too far, if far at all, away from however I was raised. Now, I'm not going to joke that that is important. You know, it's important because I think it actually was one of the things that probably saved my ass a lot of times because I had enough of a base, whether I wouldn't give up or go through things, I can endure stuff. So people got to, people have to ask themselves, did I get away from it? What do I do that's really spiritual? Mm -hmm. They have to ask if they understand the damn definition. If not, they have to come for it. Sure. And do I get out of myself to do for others? That's a big one. That's because yeah. that's a big piece. Yeah. Of How it. are you serving people? If you don't have some connection that does something that you, because doing something for others, you know, feels good to people. Yeah. No one walks away. And the from one thing that. too, I would imagine that at least how I define serving other people is it doesn't have to be an act of quote unquote charity. Correct. You can serve people well while you're working at your job. Mm -hmm. You can do it cheerfully. You can do it. You can go a little bit more. Uh, you can serve your family your friends all of that so it doesn't have a lot of people categorize it, it, it like shit happens then we give it a reason right right, <laughs> right. so 
they're looking for that category. Oh, I need to go now volunteer at the soup kitchen because no, it doesn't need to be that way. You just need to know the intent, right? The intent's important. And then act on it and with if, good performance. Right. Right. If if you're feeling good about what you do, whatever it might be, if it brings you something that way, and again, if it affects somebody else, it tends to be a little bit more spiritual. I think because we're in the social media laden sort of society, I You know, I'm gonna defend social media for a moment. I don't necessarily agree with that anymore. Not that anyone's wrong or right with the social media. Everyone's everyone's casting their opinion, right? Whether we believe it or not, we have now been conditioned to accept social media as one of our primary forms of communication versus the inverse of communicating like you and I are across the table having a real adult conversation about real shit that's going on right now. Totally agreed. And when I and when I refer to social media, I particularly refer to the "look at me" part of it. Yeah, I had again. I won't even get into the, all the details. I had a person, and they had this post. I just love messing and jacking around with people. I just think it's fun. I get a chuckle out of it because I don't take it serious. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Right. It just doesn't matter. I get a, this text and does a reply. I. Didn't delete my comment. I edited my comment. And my edit was the former location where my previous post was with a smiley face. (laughs) I'm dying. I'm rolling. Right. You're having a good time. And then I get a text through Messenger. And I go, that's great. I don't give a shit. Right. You're not invested in it. They didn't know what to do. I don't care. Don't be a time vampire, dude. Well, spiritually, not losing your time and energy to things is also peace that also yeah. there's a crossover between spiritual and emotional and people are let's put it this way the more time they're spending like that versus time like let's say this mm. you're going to lose a piece of that i'm you know i understand people want to use it for business i you know i'm on it generally speaking for that albeit if i didn't have any positive response or someone says something to me that it either helped or inspired i don't give a crap that's the only thing that can drive it for me because the rest is it's it's all so it's all BS. Let's bring this all home for everyone. If you have any fears about communication, write them down. Have a real conversation that says, "Hey, we need to address some things." The fear to say to have uh, not a list of complaints or demands, but a list of identifiers. I'm feeling this way with my emotion. Yeah, you got to lean that way, right? You can if if you have a partner who's reasonable and available emotionally mm-hmm. if not talk to a professional yeah work it out with them first till you get to where you can manage the situation artfully mm-hmm. that's a good word for that, it that's really you know yeah the phrase we use for uh, dialectical behavior therapy is always do you want to be right or do you want to be effective if you want to be right it's about your ego you're screwed I don't yeah. care who you are right, right if it's about being effective then you really want to think what am I getting out of this if my goal is appropriate, mm-hmm. pro-social, pro-family, what have you, it's a different outcome versus having an argument for no reason to show I've got power. Yeah. If you're getting in a pissing contest, it better be for a lot of money. Right. Right. So the other question would be now, ask the question, how can I help you? Where are you struggling? Not what can I do? Because that's more of like a, a meta from Mars 
Roman for Venus, Venus, Venus type type of thing. I don't think what this is really about, but where are the gaps that can help you fill this and make you feel a little bit more at ease? Fair? Yes. Yeah. What do you need from me mm-hmm. is a really simple question with a lot of power. Right. How many people show up like that, vulnerable, empowered, wanting the Tom Cruise film? You had me at hello. Right. right. That, yeah, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Yeah. yeah. That's like slam dunk. You just won. Right. It's a perfect ticket. Wow. It, it really is. And it, it, the struggle is people are so caught up into so much crap that mm. arguing everything else. If you really can break it down and look at what matters, you're going to stay very focused on it. And your fears, truthfully, are not going to run your life. Yeah. If your fears run your life, you're... What about the drug? I don't want to say drugs or pharmaceuticals. It's unfair. But the drug therapies that people are relying on. Alcohol should be just in moderation, period. I do not drink anymore. Uh, And we never drank belligerently. I just cut it all out. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't serve a purpose for me anymore. I just, I'd rather have better emotional, spiritual state than have to rely on something else or rely on something externally. When it comes back to the drug therapies, any real recommendations there that you can give as far as identifying if there is a problem and then what to do to stop pulling back? I think you have to assess for yourself Am I struggling? Do I handle my emotions really well? Mm-hmm. If you don't, it's like, can I handle this clinically, therapeutically with a therapist? Mm-hmm. If it's not enough and I need more support in order to get myself to learn the skills that I need to, yeah. that's when you want to be discussing it with you know a psychiatrist or a, a pharmacologist. Mm-hmm. The reality is how willing somebody is to learn skills is going to be that ultimate choice based partly on how afraid they are of whether, you know, empowered they are that they can do it. Keeps going back to that word afraid, huh? That fear. Damn. Fear and trauma drive so much of what, you know, what we deal with. It's amazing that we have to use the word, right? It seems simple, but people struggle with it. And I think if you take a look at the health issues across the board in the United States alone, you'll see that there's a lot of fear and there's a lot under it. Why would somebody beat the Mm -hmm. crap out of themselves versus take good care of themselves, which they could do. Right. Yep. We have all the answers. If we're not using them, why wouldn't we? Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Where are my gaps and all this helping people? You know, and seeing way more than I have in this particular category. Have we not asked anything that someone can benefit from? Uh, I think we, we covered so much ground. This gets confusing really quick. I, I got to be honest. There was uh, some points of the conversation where I'm like, but it's almost like, where do you start? Yeah. And so when you think about some of the people that we're trying to help right here who are going through a struggle, that's why I'm like, let's pull it in. Mm-hmm. It's really, and it's not like you can do it in a moment's notice. Sure. It's going to take a moment, yeah. you know, to get it all coordinated and, yeah. oh, here's what it is. Anyways, my point is it it's really complex. People have to be willing to say, I got to put myself in check first. If I do it really well, Mm -hmm. how well can I impact my family? The person who takes empowerment to do that is going to be a phenomenal parent and a phenomenal partner. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, they have a partner that takes the same thing. And again, if people have children- That's the other point. The whole other side of the conversation is you work on yourself first, and that's where you have to start. But then if you have a partner who is resistant 
now you're knocking your head every day. You're like, oh, come on. Just like, come along with me. Come along with me. And if that becomes a struggle, double down on yourself. I really believe that. Double down on yourself because... Through action. Actions will take over at that point. Correct. Yeah. You will get empowered and strong enough that you will feel that you are strong and empowered, that you can, that you have enough power to navigate and move things and that you are in control. We all need a locus of control. Otherwise, we feel anxious. Yeah. Agreed. Since you last year, what's been the most profound thing you've learned? You were here about six, no, eight months ago, roughly. It seems more recent. Yeah. Time's flying by. We're still within the first year of this podcast. You got a real variety, so it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Oh, thanks. I really watching how people cope is always again human behavior is always interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could be a therapist without it. I, I, <laughs> I think I'd be just in you know seeing the human condition. While I've seen a lot of it, that's pretty difficult, and I'm going to see a bit of it tomorrow, which I'd mentioned. Open your Facebook page. I may post live that people can watch. Yeah. Okay. We're debating that tonight because this right. is going to be some really serious Well, but there stuff. it's there. We'll, we'll yeah. leave a link for your, Thank web, you. your Facebook page and Thank all you. that stuff. So, Watching what certain people have, have been able to do and manage. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen a lot of tough stuff out there. So there's a lot of depressing news, but I, I always try to find some things that are encouraging. Yeah, right. You know, and certainly people are trying to support others. I, I mean, that to me is like everything. Yeah. So I just try to double down and get more of that because there are days where it's like I could use a little more. I'd be happy to watch a stupid movie. You know, I don't know how many clips I've watched of things that I find amusing. Mm-hmm. Just to, you know, if I'm going to medicate, I'm going to do that. <laughs> you know, I'm like I'm not always going to pick up my guitar. It's just not going to happen. You know, once in a while, just like yeah, put yourself in there just to watch something funny. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, little self care no is good. All right, man. Well, listen, we're going to close it out. Uh, really appreciate you joining on again. My pleasure. Jason, you are always more than welcome to come back. Thank you. You help a lot of people. I know you do. Healthcare 360, Jason Eric Ross, jasonericross.com. The takeaway in this one, really, this is a real problem right now. So yeah. if you're going through, are you open for phone calls? Always open. Yeah. So if you're going through some shit at home and it, somewhat looks like what we talked about today kids at home virtual school non-supporting spouse or just some outside external family interaction that's on the negative side that you want to try to alleviate we'll put jason's email just throw him a, a quick hey what do i do it's just some coping things and maybe and hopefully the the coping strategy that we put in here which i know are harder to do then said, if you got the fear, just talk to somebody. Oh, yeah. Cool, dude. Appreciate you coming over, brother. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. We'll see you in the next one. Take care. Boom. Dude, thank nice. you. You're welcome. My pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Uh, much better setup in here, huh? For all this. I, I mean, it was great before, but this is, it's just, it's, a, it's nice. The whole thing's going to be black. Yeah. Just because. I don't want the refraction coming down because I notice Michelle notices she reminds me all the time that in my my videos now you can see all the stuff from my bald head. <laughs> and I go, it's okay. I have accepted it. I, that is, it's my head. I'm proud it's of my it. Head. I've actually gone a little shorter than before, yeah. and, I, and I noticed that uh, still. You, you can pull it. You can pull it off. I want to thank Jason Eric Ross for joining me in studio 
And as always, I appreciate his insight into what's really going on and from the perspective of a psychotherapist. If you like Healthcare 360 and enjoyed this conversation, give this podcast a share and write a review. It really helps out the show. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you enjoy listening. Oh, and if you haven't seen, we are now active and live on YouTube. So please find us at Healthcare 360 with Scott E. Burgess and check out all of our podcast recordings live in studio. There are full episodes as well as short clip deep dives when you don't have time to listen to a full episode. Let us know what you think. Give us some comments. We love your feedback. Please subscribe. And as always, enjoy. If you want the conversation to continue, you can find us through my Instagram handle at Scott E. Burgess or direct message me on my WhatsApp plugin at scotteburgess.com. If you'd like to have a conversation or discuss a topic option on Healthcare 360, look for the calendar link in the podcast notes below and let's set up a time to talk. Thanks again. This is Scott Burgess. And from all of us with the Healthcare 360 team, we'll see you for episode number 54 with Jeffrey Wu. And as always, thank you for being a part of the 360 Nation. See you next time.